Welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast, where we're helping everyday moms rethink how their healthcare begins at home through healthy living, access to information, and technology. On each episode, we interview healthcare providers and experts on topics that affect us as mothers as we raise our children. We'll cover topics across the spectrum of health to bring awareness of important issues, conditions, therapies, and technology. We believe your healthcare begins at home with us moms. The healthier we are, the healthier our loved ones are. Welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast. This is your host, Patty Post, founder and CEO of Checkable. Today, I'm continuing a conversation that's really important for expectant moms or moms that have recently delivered and are breastfeeding their children, or even someone that is hopefully having uh, an expectant child. I'm really digging into how to prepare for nursing your baby and what to expect. And today I'm talking about Nest Collaborative and we're learning about the services that they offer to help moms and how what they can do to use their services to have the best practices with nursing. So my guest today is Dr. Lily Hubeman Shahar. Dr. Lily, it's very nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you. You can just call me Lily. <laughs> okay. Well, I always like, we, we talked before the show. Tell me about your uh, credentials. How did you get your doctor in from your name? Uh, well, so I'm um, actually a nurse practitioner by training. I'm a neonatal nurse practitioner and a former neonatal nurse working in the neonatal intensive care unit um, for the majority of my career. Um, and through that, um, I am just sort of naturally a very curious person and always want to do the best for my patients. And so um, went back to school um, for the terminal clinical degree in nursing, which is the doctor of nursing practice. Um, and along the way, also um, got my certification as an international board certified lactation consultant, which is part of the way through that and my and my doctorate is how I found my way to nest. Wow. So how many lactation consultants do we have in the US? Do you have a figure for that? Yeah, there's about uh, 18,000, 19,000 um, in the U.S. The U.S. is definitely, it's an international certification, so um, it's all over the world, and those of us who are IBCLCs can practice in other countries, um, but the U.S. has far more um, than any other country uh, in the world. And there are roughly 3 million babies born a year in the U.S., so the number of lactation consultants to babies is like one for every 20 born, if not more. I can't do the math in my head. Yeah, but it's, it's not. It's not enough. Um, it's not enough at all. And in 2011, actually, the U.S. Surgeon General um, made some re recommendations for how many lactation consultants there should be per baby born in the U.S. Um, and there are very few states um, that meet that recommendation. Although we're really proud that it nests with the number of IBCLCs we have, when we're able to provide care in that state, and we do provide care in all 50 states, that we actually um, we actually help a state to meet that standard um, just by providing care in the state. Um, and in some states, we actually double or even triple access to care just by providing care in that state. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's talk about Nest, because you're providing care through technology. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about what uh, the mission is behind Nest Collaborative. Yeah. So we're, we're the country's largest um, 
virtual lactation support practice. Um, we have internet only international board certified lactation consultants, um, which is the gold standard in lactation support. Um, some of some of us have other uh, certifications, and others are just really um, talented um, IBCLCs in their own right. Um, and so what we do is we provide um, lactation support just like you and I are talking right now. So virtually we use um, our cameras and we use the parent senses, we use our senses, we use guided um, examinations in order to provide uh, evidence-based, family-centered, um, goal-based support. Um, and traditionally, lactation support has been very, very hands-on. And there is there's a little bit of a movement in, um, through some of us in, as IBCLCs to sort of take our hands off of the patient a little bit, both from a consent standpoint, but also because it's very empowering. And that's really what we find at Nest is that by not putting our hands on the patient, by giving the the, uh, the adult patient the opportunity to use their senses, um, to use their finger to feel how their baby's sock feels, um, or to use uh, you know the muscle memory of how to set up a latch with our guidance, that it's really empowering for the families in a way that having your hands all over somebody else um, is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's less invasive uh, if you don't have someone that's right hovering over you. Um, you have the, I can see how that's very empowering. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, obviously, it's not for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. There are certainly some people that, despite all of our talents, still feel like they want someone there literally holding their hand, and that's okay. That's their right. Um, but there's a lot that can be done over telehealth. You'd be very surprised, and our patients are extremely satisfied um, with the support that they receive, and um, they they breastfeed longer than the average parent um, in the United States, um, which we're very proud of. Um, but we also we also know that that's not the whole story. It's about each patient and their goals and how can we help to ensure that that patient has um, the appropriate information to set up their own goals based on their context um, and meets their goals in addition to, um, you know, what the goals the, the, the healthcare community has set for parents in this country. How many moms are breastfeeding these days? What percentage of moms? Well, pretty high. That's a re- that's a really complicated question. Um, the numbers actually got a little bit worse um, over over the COVID period. Um, about eighty to eighty five percent of parents in the U.S. start breastfeeding, but the um, the World Health Organization, the American Academy of Pediatrics, recommends um, exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months and continued breastfeeding with the introduction of some. Um, nutritionally appropriate complementary foods starting at six months and continuing on um, for at least two years. And the and right now, the CDC's breastfeeding report card, which is really the best data that we have about breastfeeding right now, um, indicates that that um, somewhere between 20 and 25% are exclusively breastfeeding um, at six months. So really very mm-hmm. few people are meeting the recommendations, but there's a lot of reasons for that. And I think there's a lot of finger pointing at the families when the reality is, is that our society is not really set up to support families that choose to breastfeed their babies. Mm-hmm. How so? Why do you say that? Well, family leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have consistent family leave. We don't have paid family leave. Um, although it's legal to breastfeed your baby in all 50 states, um, it's sort of socially frowned upon um, mm-hmm. often. Um, uh, you know, there's a very big push um, with the formula industry. They have a lot of money um, from from the dairy industry that uh, influences families often in ways that are not, that they're not aware of. Um, and that's not to say that like there's not a place in this world for formula. There certainly is, um, but 
but families are often not aware of the impact of predatory marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, that's just a, a couple of the many ways that, that we've set ourselves up for um, to not be able to meet the recommended um, standard that helps our families to really grow and, and flourish um, and be healthy uh, in a way that they could be. Mm-hmm. How does Nest, uh, so is it a, a, you do it while you're in the hospital? Like for listeners that are wanting to explore this option, mm -hmm. uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So we provide um, what we what we use is something called a preventive care model, which is proprietary to us. Um, we basically say we the traditional way that um, lactation support has been provided is you come to us when you have a problem. So mm -hmm. mastitis or vasospasms, mm -hmm. or I think my milk supply is low, or I want to we it's biting any of the multitude of mm -hmm. issues that can happen. We say, forget that, forget that. Mm -hmm. Let's help you before those things happen. Mm -hmm. And if they happen, we can help you through that as well. So we really, um, we really try to see patients prenatally if we can. There's a lot of evidence to support the, the positive impact on um, breastfeeding self-efficacy um, and breastfeeding duration for patients that receive prenatal breastfeeding support. Um, so we uh, have sort of a, a structured um, uh, set of things that we that we discuss with our patients, but it's, it's tailored to each individual. Um, and then we see our patients at different intervals postpartum from, you know, you, we can see you in patients if you'd like, although inpatient is probably the, the most likely place you are to find another IBCLC, um, all the way through your weaning journey. So we'd like to see okay. you, you know, before you return to work, before you start solids, um, before you're thinking about weaning, and for all those things that might happen in between. Um, we use both a preventive and an acute approach to try to meet your every need, because the reality is, is that we're kind of the only people out there that are really holding your hand the mm -hmm. whole way through. Mm -hmm. So are you a subscription-based um, no, so patient, patients come to us. It sort of depends a little bit on how patients come to us. But if you're coming to us mm -hmm. off the street, um, mm -hmm. you can you can go to our website um, and book with any one of our IBCLCs based on time or based on selecting the IBCLC, myself included, although I don't see as many patients as, um, as my colleagues do because of the other things that I do for Nest. Um, and we'll see you for your prenatal appointment or if you have if you already have a baby, we're happy to see you for a postpartum appointment for that acute situation that you're dealing with or those acute questions or, hey, I, you know, my baby's a month old and, or probably a better example is, hey, my baby's four months old and is really mm -hmm. distractible at the breast. And I'm, I'm worried that my baby might be weaning and we're able to sort of, you know, reset expectations so that you can meet your goals or you can know what your goals are um, and get to that, whatever that next step is for you and your family, whatever's right for you and your family. Well, it sounds so nice. It's, that's it's what very it is. supportive. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds it's a good job. Uh huh. It feels really nice. Uh, now, what are some of the things if you are pregnant now and you are going to, you're preparing for nursing and in your mind you want to do it for nine months? Uh, what are some of the ways to best prepare for a woman like that? So, the, the, two, the two top things that I would um, recommend are number one, and they're sort of related, um, is number one, find your support system. Um, mm. Figure out if you and if you have a, a partner or a co or a co parent that's parenting with you, make sure that you're aligned on what your goals are. Um, do you have a community around you that may or may not be supportive? What do you know about breastfeeding? Do you have you chosen a, 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 a um, and uh, gosh, I'm stumbling on my words here. Um, the 
a pediatric provider or mm -hmm. um, a birth provider that is supportive um, of your goals? Is your work, if you're working, supportive of your goals? Is your community supportive of your goals? Do you know where you could breastfeed if you needed to? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and tied to that is get yourself some prenatal breastfeeding support. Knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. um, and so much of what we're about is empowering people to make the choices that they feel right, are right for their family and for right for themselves. So um, get that education. We at Nest really stress your support system and identifying who's there to protect you, your partners, your work, the law, Nest, um, et cetera, and making sure that you have the tools to make the decisions that, um, that makes the most sense for you. Mm -hmm. What do you think... Uh Sometimes managing expectations and anything that we do is is really helpful because then we don't see, feel so frustrated when we come across a challenge. In the first few days uh, after birth are the most challenging. What are some of those uh, tips that you could give uh, an expectant mom of that time? Yeah. I love this question. I love this question mm -hmm. so much um, because... It, Everybody knows about the three trimesters, or hopefully you're pregnant for a full three mm -hmm. trimesters. Mm -hmm. um, everybody knows about the three trimesters that are, you know, traditionally you have during pregnancy, but very few people, although increasingly so, um, are aware of, the, of what's called the fourth trimester. Um, babies in the first three months after they're born really kind of should still be inside of your body. They need to be incubating for a little bit longer. Um, and so for us as a, as, as a society to have an expectation that my baby is going to sleep through the night and my baby is going to know when three hours have happened and, and feed again. And, um, you know, we'll follow exactly the textbook of what this book that I randomly picked up off of a shelf from my friend's cousin's <laughs> uncle's sister told me is, is really, is really not, not realistic at all. And I think mm -hmm. that we do a real disservice um, to families setting them up, setting them up with unrealistic expectations that their babies are just going to be robots. Mm -hmm. um, when the reality is, is that they need intensive, I mean, not intensive care in the same way that an intensive care, you know, would, get, would give mm -hmm. you, but intensive care, meaning responsive care. Um, mm -hmm. They need to be close to you. They need to hear your heartbeat. Think about what their baby, what their body has been like um, it, for their entire existence inside of you. It's been mm -hmm. dark. It's been warm. They weren't hungry. They heard the mm -hmm. gurgle of your stomach and, you know, the muffled sound of your voice. Being skin to skin with your baby and spending time with your baby and being responsive to your baby, I think, really sets families up for more realistic expectations rather than sort of picking up a book off the shelf that's going to tell you to have your baby sleep X amount of time or eat, you know, from this specific bottle or, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it happens to be. This podcast is sponsored by Checkable.com. Checkable is revolutionizing healthcare by bringing healthcare home with fast and accurate at-home rapid diagnostics and pairing it with telehealth services available through our mobile application, available on the App Store and Google Play. Checkable.com offers an array of rapid diagnostics that allow you to own your health at home. We have a UTI, vaginal pH, and two rapid breast milk strips. One will measure alcohol and the other to measure nutritional value. Checkable puts treatment options at your fingertips so you can test at home, see a provider, and get your treatment plan sent to your neighborhood pharmacy. It's checkable.com. What about, uh, that's good advice, and how about patients? Uh, because 
looking at expectations and patience with nursing. It's not going to happen like that. Even if you yeah. do have, I think hospitals do do a wonderful job. I saw on your website is fantastic, by the way, just the resources on there. And even if you're not, um, if you're not, it's a fee for service. So if you're not going to pay, you still can benefit from all of your resources on there. And uh, one of the things is after, even when you're in the hospital, being patient with your baby and being patient with your own body. Yeah. my One of my favorite things to tell my patients is give yourself some grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish somebody would have told me that. Yeah, I'm me a too. Old and, I, and I really wish someone would have told me that. Um, and I was not able to take my own advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the reality is that the vast majority of patients that come to see me, and I think I can speak for the rest of my my team when I say um, that the vast majority of patients that come to see them, really, if they trust their instincts, they're usually on the right track. Mm-hmm. They might need a little bit of tweaking here and there. Mm-hmm. They might need a little bit of, you know, something that we know that they might not know. But but trusting your gut, knowing your, you know, mom or your birthing parent instinct, um, it, I think is a really important part of becoming a parent. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely a really, really essential part of becoming a breastfeeding parent because your your needs are so tied to your babies at the beginning. So mm-hmm. giving yourself grace, giving yourself the space to step back and say, I'm overwhelmed right now, but that's okay. I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to take a shower mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to come back to it later. And it's patience, but it's also persistence. Um, and again, knowing where to find support, if that means telling somebody else, I need you to do my laundry today, or Mm -hmm. could you make me some soup? Or can you hold Mm -hmm. the baby because the baby's crying? And I've had, I've just had a little bit too much right now. That's all okay. We all need help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those first, uh, those first few weeks are, they all blend into one another and they are exhausting. That's (laughs) great advice. Uh, I'm so surprised that you said that with your expertise that, just three years ago, you had the same thing. That's, I think, really good for listeners to know that even the expert that helps others, um, guides others, it experiences stress and um, really has high expectations. But just sit back, yeah. chill out a little bit, right? Yeah, we're all human. Even me, mm-hmm. I feel like with all yeah. the letters after my name, I'm still a human. Just yeah. because, you know, just because the textbook says this is how my breasts are supposed to work and my baby's supposed to work doesn't mean that that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I, 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 I think that I, for me, I think I relied too much on myself and on my, mm-hmm. you know, brain and on science, mm-hmm. which is sort of my MO, but, mm-hmm. um, but I should, I should have taken my own advice. And it's what the same advice I give to other people is, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. One of, one of the things that we have in our prenatal slideshow is, um, is, is uh, one of the biggest myths is good parents don't need help. Good parents need help. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs help. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, we all need help for sure. And we're not experts. Um, so when I'm thinking of going back to work, that's a big, that was a big thing for me. And mm-hmm. uh, when, when I had my oldest there, we didn't have, I was like in a back of a storage closet having to pump. It was awful. Um, I mean, it was like... It was a clean storage closet, so I can't say that was awful. But just like there wasn't a lock on the door, so that was weird. But going back to work and wanting to still nurse, how there's so many varieties of pumps out there and how to prepare for that. Does Nest have um, some help in that area? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because 
we, you know, part of the way that we've, part of the way that we've come up with this preventive care model is looking at when do people fall off the cart mm -hmm. here? You mm -hmm. know, when do people deviate from their goals? Um, when does society fail us? And one of those times is certainly going back to work. For some people, they may not have time for, or, or I, for example, was a doctoral student when my daughter mm -hmm. was born. I didn't have any time off. Right. Um, a lot of people have, you know, hopefully somewhere around 12 weeks off ish, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And so we we know that there's actually a significant decrease in breastfeeding at, at that point. Um, so certainly that is a part of our preventive care model. We, we talk about it even as early as um, even as early as the prenatal visits. It's part of what we call anticipatory guidance, um, which is basically a fancy way of saying setting expectations um, mm -hmm. with people. Um, but our recommendations are going to differ depending on where's your baby being cared for when you're not with your baby. Is your baby going to be with you? Do you work remotely? Do you work from home? Do you work um, at a fast food restaurant and, uh, or, or for example, do you work at a dry cleaner and you're exposed to toxic chemicals every single day? Right. Are, you a, are you a medical student um, and, or, or a resident and it's unlikely that you'll have time? We also make you aware of your rights um, mm. to make sure that you are able to advocate for yourself with your supervisors um, because often, often they're not aware um, of the updates on, on what they're uh, required to do for for families. Mm -hmm. I wish we had more uh, guidelines in place for maternity leave. That was <laughs> the biggest thing is like going back to work. And I just met a woman that she went back to work after two weeks mm -hmm. and she's in clinical research and she just had to get back. And when our kids are old, in nine ten, and she's like, I so regret it. Like, I wish I would have done that, but you know, I she chose to go back, and that's just sort of the. Are, is Ness doing anything um, from a information legislation point of view of rights for moms? So there, there's a you know, there's a big push for this. Um, I'd say the the best advocacy organization out there right now is the United United States Breastfeeding Committee. USBC, um, mm -hmm. and they do a lot of really wonderful work. They were integral in uh, in the recent Pump Act. Um, I was just at their conference, and I know that they're very um, they're very involved in the paid family leave fight. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's so many complicated things around this, yeah. um, but but really, you know, what all of us can do is to stand up and say. It's, first of all, take your whole leave. Yes. <laughs> take your whole leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it always shocks me when, when managers in particular don't take their leave because they're setting an example for their employees. Right. Um, and empower people to take that leave and don't penalize mm -hmm. them for taking that leave. Um, mm -hmm. There is research that suggests that, um, that lactating parents that go back to work before six months are less likely um, to continue breastfeeding. But mm -hmm. who has six months of leave? Basically mm -hmm. nobody in the U.S. Right. Um, so this is a big fight and everybody's voice is needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, from the employer standpoint, I think of, gosh, having someone gone for six months and paying them, I would love to do that, but I, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and is that an opportunity where we could have some government subsidy to help come in if your business has a certain threshold? And even the hourly workers, we say that even with our own tests of hey, you know, check at home so then you can avoid that visit to the doctor and you mm -hmm. can, you know, still still get into work. So yeah. there's so but many at, challenges. 
as as an employer also there's other things that you can do so even if you can't um even if you can't provide that long um parental leave you know we we partner with employers as well um and and so providing that providing lactation support um and and sort of like that those wraparound benefits for those families to say hey we still support you we might not be able to give you the world but this is mm-hmm. what we can give you um and we do know we do know that um patients that receive um or sorry employees from organizations that receive lactation support as a part of one of their employee benefits do breastfeed longer but also there's better retention there's better uh employee satisfaction um there's mm-hmm. lower health care costs for the uh for the employer so there's huge huge benefits um, but lactation sort of this little niche space that often people don't pay it a lot of attention to. And so it gets a little bit neglected in terms of those, um, those benefits, but we are there to provide that benefit. And that is, you know, par- part of what Nest does is it is partner with employers to be a benefit, um, for their employees. That's fantastic. If you are listening to this and you're at a big corporation or even a little corporation, ask if your employer will pay for, uh, for Nest. And how, what's the average, how many people or how many visits does the average uh, woman have with Nest? You know, it really depends. We have anywhere, I've seen patients once and we've had patients okay. that have come to us over 20 times. Um, okay. It really depends on the situation. Sure. Um, and often people will come to us more often when they don't have much of another, another support system. Um, but for patients that have really complex um, situations um, or they're inducing lactation, relactation, things like that, sometimes that takes a little bit more time. Um, but to go through, our, you know, if you had sort of like a standard preventive care timeline, nothing ever happened, it's probably about six visits or so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. What a wonderful service. This is just uh, an an enabling technology to help moms in uh, in one of the most stressful but beautiful times of life. Uh, is that's awesome for what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. There's yes. Not, there's not enough um, lactation. We already talked about there's not enough lactation consultants um, in this country, and they're often um, concentrated in major metropolitan areas on the coast. So for mm-hmm. us to be able to fill that gap in states and um, other locations where families don't have access to a lactation consultant, don't have access to a lactation consultant that takes their insurance, or they don't mm-hmm. want to get out of the house with their baby, um, mm-hmm. is is really breaking down some major barriers to access to lactation support in this mm-hmm. country. Yeah, meeting meeting patients where they're at exactly. is how we're going to move healthcare forward, mm-hmm. and uh, and you're definitely doing it in your in the area of. Is that, would that be maternal health? Is that what you yeah. categorize it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's maternal child. I mean, we get a little mm-hmm. bit, we get a little iffy with maternal health at Nest because we try to use non-gendered language because there are people that breastfeed who aren't, who don't identify as mothers. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, we support every family and however they create their family. But technically mm-hmm. in the science mm-hmm. community, yes, it is maternal mm-hmm. health, child yeah. health. Yeah. Good. Well, it was a pleasure having you, Lily. Thank you so much. Uh, if our listeners want to access more information, are you? Uh, where do you send them? Website, but yeah. Do you have other opportunities? So, um, www.nestcollaborative.com is our website. You can find our booking information there. You can find our blog there. You can find all sorts of. If you're interested, you know, as a as a clinical partner, as an employer partner. Um, is a durable medical, you know, any mm-hmm. of the different ways in which patients come to us, um, you can find our information uh, on that website. Um, and um, yeah, and all of our IBCLCs are, are you know, available to you. Um, 
you know, to support you throughout your journey. And we're just, we're thrilled to, to have the honor to do that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest and sharing uh, all of the wonderful th- guidance and support systems. Gosh, I can't think of how many words to in this time of life that you would need a Nest Collaborative um, information. So thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, I encourage you to go to Nest Collaborative. Uh, I think that this would be a wonderful baby gift if I was you or if I am uh, looking at a future way to use Nest as I am not of my child-rearing years, I would give this gift to an expectant mother because what a wonderful gift of support to have. Uh, If you like this episode, please give us five stars and be sure to subscribe because then you can hear about our next episode that will be in two weeks from today. So Lily, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, until next time, keep on keeping yourself and your family healthy. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Checkable Health Podcast. If you want more information, head over to CheckableHealth.com for show notes, links, and resources mentioned in today's podcast. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to get all of the Checkable Health at-home healthcare details as soon as they're released. Find us on every social channel at Checkable Health. Cheers to living your healthiest and happiest life.